Hello and welcome to episode one of In Loco Parents, a podcast about parenting and lawyering in that order. I'm Karen Vladek. I'm Steve Vladek, also known as Karen's husband. And here we are. We're in our bedroom. We are sitting across a makeshift plastic table from each other because every other room in our house would probably be too loud for our sleeping children upstairs. Uh, we've only been interrupted, what, twice so far by our soon-to-be five-year-old? What were the what were the different reasons each time? I got called up at least twice because her foot hurt, and she wanted to discuss what she was bringing for show and tell to pre-K in two days. Mm, very important stuff. Super. I mean, how can one go to bed without thinking of those things? Agreed. Um, so what are we doing here? Other than the fact that we're married to each other and we live together and this is how every night goes, we're just recording this one. Well, Steve... We were sitting around thinking, we don't have enough stuff on our plates. Or more than we were tweeting at each other from across the couch. Thinking, we don't have enough to do. True. We're not trying to parent a four-year-old and a two-year-old in a pandemic, hold on to full-time plus jobs, and also keep our sanity. So why not add a podcast into the mix? Well, and I think also part of it was we were assuming and increasingly coming to appreciate that um, although everyone's personal circumstances are different... A lot of working parents have been in the same miserable condition for much of the last, oh, I don't know, nine months, right? Which is increasingly sort of stretched to the limit when it comes to balancing the obligations of supervising their children of whatever age, childcare, if the situation fits, um, demanding jobs, stressful jobs, life, self-care. Um, and, you know, we are not, as we're about to explain in some detail, we are not professional parenting gurus at all. We are um, faking it till we make it. But we figured, you know, one of the ways that it might be fun to do this was to talk about our struggles and every once in a while our successes um, and to actually bring in some folks to help us talk about their struggles and their successes just because, you know, we're not in this alone. So Steve likes to get right into the meat of it and glaze over who we are. No, I was going to come back to who we are. I just wanted to tell people, you know, if you've tuned in having no idea what the heck this is, first, wow, good job. And also, wow, you still have no idea who you're listening to. That's true. So who are you? <laughs> I'm Karen Vladek. You said I that already. said in my intro. Um, Steve and I have been married for nine years. Glorious years. Uh, together for 13. Even more glorious. Um, and we have a four-and-a-half-year-old, almost five-year-old daughter named Madeline. A almost two and a half year old daughter named Sydney. A seven year old pug named Roxy. That's right. And we live in Austin, Texas, what uh, uh, Rick Perry calls a blueberry and a bowl of tomato soup. Um, and I am an employment law attorney here in Austin. Um, at Some a, might even say you're a partner. Indeed. Uh, a partner in a boutique firm here in Austin. Um, doing counseling and some litigation, investigations, those types of things. Um, and when I'm not being a mom, I like to sleep. <laughs> and where are you from? Originally, I'm from Boston. Grew up in Boston. I went um, to college in upstate New York. I went to law school and. The you went to college in upstate New York. You went to Cornell. I didn't want to be like Andy from The Office. Have you heard of Cornell? What? So you're going to say, like, I went to law. That's like the people who say, I went to law school in Cambridge. Yeah. The, no, they say Boston. <laughs> right. They are the worst. Sorry, guys. Um, you know who you are. Uh, yeah. So I went to Cornell. Then I went to Miami for law school because I only applied to law schools south of the Mason Dixon line. And I didn't want to 
go anywhere where there was cold. Um, and then moved, and that's how we met. Moved to DC after um, graduation, and been together ever since. Yeah. Um, so, so I should add my my half to the story. So I uh, I, I teach at the University of Texas School of Law, Hookham. Um, I have been teaching. This is my seventeenth year as a law professor. That's a pretty horrifying statistic. It just means I'm old. You're so old. I'm so old. You're literally elderly. Um, I mean, it doesn't matter that you taught your first class when you were 20, 25. 25. Yeah. Well, so so the funny story about that. So my first semester at the University of Miami, which is actually part of how we met, um, I taught a, a federal courts and a civil procedure class. And in my federal courts class of 20 students, I was the third youngest person in the room. Um, and in my civil procedure class of 75, one of my students was my bunkmate from summer camp when I was 12. So that was a little awkward. I think more awkward for him. Um, anyway, so I'm a law professor at the University of Texas. I teach federal courts, constitutional law. Um, Karen's the real lawyer. I do some pretend lawyering on the side. Um, I do a lot of sort of amicus, friend of the court work. Um, and the last couple of years, I've done a little more actual real, like litigating for parties work. Um, and, you know, whenever I actually need legal advice or things like how do you file a, a notice of appearance, um, I call my, my attorney, Karen. That was an actual question that you asked me. That was indeed an actual question that I asked you on the far side of arguing in the Supreme Court. Indeed. But, you know, details. Um, anyway, but so, you know, we, this I think is less common in Austin, but in Washington, where we were for, you know, the first nine years of our relationship, it's pretty common to have two lawyer households, right? Where, you know, both the, both parents are, are married to each other. Um, sorry, both, both, both parents. That's, that's a truism, um, where both partners are lawyers or practicing lawyers. Um, and, you know, some people are into that and some people don't understand how you can bring your work home with us. But um, we thought, you know, maybe there's something interesting about lawyering and parenting in both directions, not because we have any special substantive knowledge about the law of parenting. We don't. Um, but because lawyering is such a unique job and it has such unique stressors and demands, hence this podcast. Um, and the title in loco parents uh, a play on the Latin term in loco parentis, which means in the place of parents. Um, since I think I can't speak for you, Karen, but I constantly feel like I am faking it and in the place of a real parent who knows what they're doing with our daughters. So it seems apt. Yeah, I feel like, you know, that moment for anyone who is a parent listening to this, and I don't want to scare away the non-parents. I think anyone, lawyers, non-lawyers, parents, non-parents can listen to this. Really, this is just about the experience of two people trying to make their way in the world. Oh, our daughter's crying, so I guess we'll be pausing it. All right. Well, so uh, here will be our first unplanned pause of the episode. And we're back. And this is real life parenting in the flesh. So what was that one about? Um, it was ankle gate part two. So I gave her some placebo medicine and hopefully she'll go mm. to sleep. Uh, that, that, that mystery ankle that always flares up right after bedtime uh -huh, every night. Uh -huh. It's a real chronic illness. This is, you know, I always think that we are incredibly lucky when it comes to sleep because, you know, and knock on, knock on wood, and, you know, we paid the price through sleep regressions and sleep training and all that. But at least at this point in time, both of our girls are pretty good sleepers. Like, it's very rare that they wake up in the night. Sydney goes down so easily, the younger one. They sleep until roughly the same time every morning, even if it is an hour earlier than I'd like it to be. But Maddie has this thing where she just, you know, after we put her down and she's reading in her room, if she's not that tired, I, I honestly think she gets bored. Yeah. And, and like, when she runs out of things to do, she says she's scared, but she just, you know, she just wants to chat. Yeah. And also, it's like, she's at that age where I think a lot, a lot of parents have had this where, so she's in a 
she's in pre-K now, but they still have a nap. And so sometimes if she naps during the day, she's just not ready to go to sleep at the time that Steve and I are ready to be done parenting for the day. <laughs> well, I'm ready to be done parenting at five o'clock, but you know, usually we make it till 730. Anyway, I think what we were talking about before we were interrupted, so rudely interrupted by our daughter. I, I think it's apropos. We, we should send Maddie, we should cut Maddie a little royalty check. Is talking about faking it. And I remember when you're pregnant, you know, when I was, when, when you're pregnant the first time, everyone's so excited for you. And it's like, oh my God, you're going to have Rainbows a baby. Like, it's just so special. It's a really special, fun time. You're like part of the parenting club, but you don't have to deal with any of the terribleness of the parenting club yet. Um, terribleness? I, I have no idea of what you speak. And you <laughs> you know that you're in the hospital and you have these nurses checking on you and whatever else and the pediatrician's checking on you. And then you get in the car to go home and then you walk in the door, and you're like, oh, wait. You're like, wait a second, where's the nurse? <laughs> so, so, so you know, I, I had that moment much earlier than the car. I mean, because the car, our car trip home from the hospital with Maddie was its own was its own yeah, story. Was, I mean, it was in the middle of a blizzard. Um, but the 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 my favorite story, well, favorite my my the, the story that stirred into my brain about like the moment at which I was like, oh, I'm a parent now, was Maddie's first diaper in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> Where, uh, and, and the nurse had warned us, but like I opened up the diaper. Maddie was born at, at, at eight, a little bit after 8 p.m. on a Wednesday night. And I think it was middle of the night slash early the next morning when the nurse suggested it was time to change her diaper. And I was like, ooh, first diaper change as a dad. Had you so ever excited. changed a diaper before? I probably had changed like our my nephew and niece's diapers. but I had like, never changed a human being's diaper before my, uh, my our first kid. I, I think I had done it, but like that's just, you know, whatever. But so I was like, it's my daughter's diaper. I'm going to remember, I'm going to remember this moment forever. And I opened it and it was just like a mound of black tar. It was... <laughs> It was what the meconium, right? That 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 comes out at various points in the gestational process, and I was like, and you were you were like lying down in the bed, and I was in, up in the, next to the in the little baby holder, and I was like, Aah! and that was when I was like, okay, this is real. This is this is this is not going to be rainbows and unicorns all the way down. I have black poop to deal with. I have black tar baby poop to deal with. And it was sticky too, like getting it off of her. I was like, am I wiping it too hard? Am I going to hurt my baby? She's should, only like two hours old. Should black tar baby poop be the title of our first episode? Black tar baby poop could be the, the that would be a good working episode title. Let's make a note. Um, one of the things, so, so um, folks who don't know, so I actually um, co-host a po- another podcast on the regular uh, with my University of Texas Law School colleague and our neighbor, Bobby Chesney, called the National Security Law Podcast. Um, and we put as much preparation into that one as we often put it as, as we have thus far put into this one. Actually, we've done more so far for this one. Um, but so we're often like mid episode, like episode title. Yes, black tar poop, black tar poop, or black tar poop baby. Could be we're good. definitely not calling this that. Why not? Who would want to listen to that? I think every parent in the world will understand the reference because I think every parent has had that first hospital diaper. I mean, maybe it's not quite as insane as Maddie's first hospital diaper was, but, you know, we've all been there. TBD. We'll put a pin in that for now. All right. That's Karen's way of saying I'm going to lose this one. So, Steve, you're a law professor. That's what I hear. What would you tell our listeners is something that is surprising that they might not know about what your day-to-day life is like? Um, I, I think probably the most surprising thing that, that folks may not – no, and indeed, that may be a statement against interest. Um, it's just how small a percentage of our day-to-day job is our classes. 
um, right? That I think, you know, I, I love teaching. I wouldn't trade this career for anything. I love everything about it. But in the final analysis, like over the run of the year, you know, I'm probably spending, gosh, 10 to 15% of my work time on my classes. Um, and, you know, when you're in semester and you're, you have a busy teaching load, that's much higher. But if you average it over the course of the year, right, the average day has very little actual class time. And so the amount of time where you are, you know, researching and writing and, you know, doing litigation work, if you're doing that, it's just, it is so disproportionate to the actual classroom time, especially as you get later in your career. Because when you're early in your career, the prep time is insane. I mean, my first couple of years teaching, you know, it would be like three hours to prep every one hour of lecture. Um, by the 15th or 16th time you're teaching a class, you don't really need that much prep time. So as you get later in your career, like the overall time you're spending on classes goes down, not because you're less devoted to it, but just because, you know, it gets overtaken by other events and becomes less and less a part of the job. Do you think you're going to need more prep time this spring because of all the crazy litigation that's going on right now? Or does it, it will it not affect your classes? <laughs> so it's interesting. I have two classes coming up in the spring. I'm teaching um, a big upper level federal courts elective, which I think right now has like 70 students registered for it. And I'm teaching a seminar. Um, and federal courts is like this staple upper level law school class that has, at least from my perspective, a pretty fixed syllabus. I mean, I like to add recent developments. But man, there have been some, some – the, the last month has been um, quite a jobs program for federal court scholars. Um, you know, just thinking about as, as we're recording this, we're, we're in the middle of the Texas having filed this crazy original jurisdiction lawsuit in the Supreme Court against Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Georgia, basically trying to throw out the election. Um, and it's just like it, – it, it's in some respects the best part of my job that I get to bring these real-world things into the classroom and help students see how – these things actually, you know, these often esoteric things they're learning in class actually have real world implications. But it's also horrifying because it's like, you know, you see first how much these doctrines are getting messed up and you also really have to like stay on top of these things so you don't feel like you're outdated in the classroom. So um, I think the short answer is yes, but, you know, it's, it's, I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, I would actually, I, I don't like any of this litigation, but I wouldn't, I would always, I always want my classes to be tied to current events as much as possible because otherwise I don't think it's as easy for students to, to connect what they're learning to what actually really matters for the life of a lawyer. But I mean, you went to law school, what, what, your favorite classes, what, what made them your favorite classes? I don't know if it was the subject matter because, you know, I'm an employment law attorney and I didn't even take employment law in law school, right? I think my favorite classes in law school were like, and I trust Com law one, criminal procedure. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that was actually just based on who the professor was, mm -hmm. right? And yeah, like how engaging matters. they are yeah. and how, you know, attuned to their students they are and, and interested in the subject matter um, kind of was a secondary thing for me. There's also, I mean, and I think this is where, I mean, the thing I have, I have from a professional perspective, the thing I have really not like the most about the COVID, you know, effect on teaching is that there's just something so important about being in the room with people. Um, and this is true. I mean, this is not just true for teaching. I mean, I've had a couple of remote oral arguments, right, during COVID, where it just hasn't been the same when you can't look at the judges you're arguing to and see their faces. Um, and it's the same with students. Like, teaching into a camera where, like, on your little laptop, you've got, you know, 50 one-inch by one, you know, or tenth of an inch by tenth of an inch boxes where you sort of see your students' faces – it's just, you know, that's what I fear we're losing in the COVID 
experience, which is like everyone's working super hard to try to make the experience as normal as possible. But there's just something about the in-person part of it, the dynamic, the, you know, walking around the classroom, like making sure everyone's paying attention that I just, you know, I miss that. Oh, for sure. I've had to do some COVID trainings and in employment law, most of my trainings are pretty sensitive subjects like sexual harassment, that type of thing. And to give a sexual harassment training to 50 black boxes on Zoom is so hard because you can't see people's faces. You can't see, you know, if any of your comments are resonating. People are not asking questions in Zoom. And I, you know, I would assume that your presentation style and mine are pretty similar, which is it's interactive. Mm -hmm. Yes, you have an idea of what you want to present, but without having that back and forth with people in person is, is really hard. Um, and, and, you know, and, and I think it's, we can try to simulate it as much as possible, but like, I, I actually think to some degree we're better off not even trying and actually just trying alternate methods of connecting with the students. So, you know, one of the things I'm thinking about for federal courts in the spring is um, breaking the class up into basically like five or six subgroups um, and having, you know, sort of subgroup-based office hours mm-hmm. where, you know, like a group of seven or eight students can come pop on Zoom with me and it can just be us. Yeah. Um, right. Just to – because it's just – it's otherwise I just – I don't want to lose people. Right. And I feel like – and so, I you know, to tie this back to why we're here and why we're doing this, I mean, I do think that it would never have occurred to me to sit down and do this podcast before COVID, um, right? Because I feel like, you know, things were just bouncing along perfectly well, Um and then March 13th hit. Mm-hmm. And I was, I will never, it was 7.06 in the morning on Friday, March 13th, when we got an email that the girls' daycare was closed that day, mm-hmm. right? About six minutes before we were going to pack them in the car and mm-hmm. take them off to daycare. Mm-hmm. And, and just ever since, it's been, you know, every day has been a fight. And I don't, I don't, I have no, I harbor no illusion that we have, you know, done anything better than anybody else but i think that just talking about it and talking about not just covid but like how you know being people with very busy very demanding jobs and also very busy very demanding children is just you know a constant struggle that you don't defeat you just survive yeah i also think for motherhood i don't know if this is true for steve because i think he's much more introverted than i am in terms of like you what, wouldn't know that from this podcast where but where he gets his you know where his cup is sort of filled up and mine is being with friends and doing that kind of thing and going out and steve's is you know sitting on the couch and watching star trek um or star wars i'm equal opportunity but so, some of us know the difference but i think one thing that's been cool about covid is the connections that I've been able to foster through, you know, different groups I'm in on the internet or, you know, particularly with people on Twitter. And I think the more that we can find a virtual community, whether it's a podcast, whether it's Twitter, whether it's Reddit, whatever is your thing, um, that has helped me immensely survive this time. Because I think that a lot of us are experiencing this. And it was funny when I, when I told people that I was doing a podcast – the reaction to it from a lot of people was, how do you have the time to do that? How do you have the time to do anything? Every You seem like you're such a perfect mother. And that was funny to me because I was like, oh my God, how am I giving people that impression? Because I, I, I hope that I'm not doing that. Most of the time, I'm just like, oh my God, how many minutes are there till bedtime? And then once they go to sleep, I feel guilty that I was waiting until bedtime. So if that makes me a perfect mother, then sure, I'm, I'm going to get mother of the year. But I mean, 
mothering is hard. You need people, parenting is hard. I'm not taking away from the dads, but there definitely is something that is an extra, extra layer of um, pressure, I think, on working moms that dads just don't experience. Well, it's not just pressure. It's also all of these, I think, unfortunate, longstanding mores and, and norms that I think are you know, deeply misogynistic and sexist and paternalistic and reflect all kinds of structural inequalities. Um, you know, the, the, I mean, the, the stories you could tell and you do tell about sort of, you know, the, the hero awards I get for doing basic acts of parenting. Oh, my God. Yeah, um, when Steve would, like, take them to the – so the way that we survive the weekends is we split up the, the the mornings. And so Steve is in charge of them one of one of the morning days, and I'm in charge of them the other morning days. And, you know, in pre-COVID times, it would be like Steve would take them to the supermarket or whatever, and he would always come back and be like, so-and-so is telling me how cute Sydney is etc. Just like gushing over his parenting. I take them the next day. Everyone's giving me a side eye because the baby's crying. Someone lost something. Like moms can never win. Either we're either either people think we're perfect and hate us for that, right? Or people think we're terrible and hate us for that. And you get every level of judgment in between whatever your parenting decision is. And so when Steve said we're not experts, we're like we really are not. We're just talking about what we do in our own personal life and what works and what maybe doesn't work for us. Um, but I think dads just don't get that level of judgment. It's like you, except, except from except from their except from their their partners. Yeah, well, that, that's a given. <laughs> which 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 often which oftentimes is deserved. <laughs> I was just gonna say which makes up for it, but you know, but because you say, I mean, so I think that's really a really important point. I think it's yet further reason why. So much of the sort of struggles that any parent faces, but I think especially in, you know, in man-woman relationships, the woman, um, you know, just I think that's part of why it's important to have discussions like this because I think so little of it gets verbalized. And one of the other reasons why, you know, I was sort of um, persuaded that we should at least take a shot at this podcast is because it occurs to me that, like, you know, People, we get comments all the time, like, because, you know, we, we're fairly active on Facebook and Instagram, and, you know, we post a fair amount of pictures of the girls. Um, and, you know, they're always cute, right? Because we, you know, we censor and sanitize what we post on social media. We're not, we're not posting the video of Sydney throw projectile vomiting on me for the third time in four days, you know, to social media. And, you know, it, it makes for good pictures, but I think it makes for a distorted view of what life is out. It, it, it conveys a false impression that like life is easy. Right. Um, and, and there are plenty of folks who for whatever reason have it much harder or easier, right? Everything's relative. And so I think it's important to just sort of, you know, be brutally honest about how life is a struggle. Parenting is a struggle. And the, the, you know, the, the best we can do is work together to improve whenever we make mistakes. Yeah. And I think that that's also goes to the format of our podcast, ah. which is that, you know, you're going to hear a little bit from Steve and me in the beginning of every episode about what's going on in our lives, what's going on with our kids, what's going on in the law of that particular week. Um, but then we're going to turn it over to a guest. Um, we're going to turn it over to either a lawyer or a lawyer adjacent person or just a non-lawyer, you know, professional working uh, family that has kids, has either survived it or is living through it right now. And hear how they did it. Hear, you know, some thoughts that they might have. Hear some tricks. Hear some tips, maybe, or really just commiserate. So, you know, we hope that this is a community that people can come to um, as they are and 
learn. This is a this is a sweatpants wearing podcast. Oh, I mean, my life is a one hundred percent sweatpants wearing even situation in right e- now. Even in non COVID times, I feel like this is a, oh, this yeah. is a sweatpants approved podcast. Oh, this is definitely a sweatpants approved podcast. Yeah, this is your. You're you're just done parenting for the day. You're, you're therefore I want to listen to more parenting. Hmm. <laughs> we may not have thought that went all the it's, way through. It's, it's like when you go to sleep and you're done with your kids, and then all of a sudden you're looking at pictures of your kids. You know what I mean? Well, no, because like because you are like that to me at least. That is the let me remind myself why I don't kill them moment, <laughs> right? Like. <laughs> Um, or like you watch your kid asleep on the monitor, even though you've been waiting for them to go to sleep for like the whole day. Right. It's that. I, I will say, I mean, this is, is something that just popped in my head. I mean, the one of the things that also occurs to me is is parenting has given me a, a newfound appreciation for at least some of the things my parents did, right? Like I, I feel like, you know, the fact that my parents actually allowed me to survive to adulthood is a pretty remarkable thing for which I owe them more than I could ever possibly repay, given what I see now from the other side of the equation. Stephen, Stephen and I both come from um, three kid families. Oh, boy, girl. Yeah. Actually, same birth order, interestingly. Um, which your mother was way too excited about when she first learned of. Yeah, she was super excited about that. True. Um like and we I, had just started dating. She's like, you're from the same birth order. Yeah, she was really into Whereas that. Whereas your dad was like, should should we bomb Iran? Yeah. Uh, that's a whole other episode. True. Um, or seven. Yeah. And I feel like now you realize, I saw this meme the other day that was like, growing up, I thought my parents did Friday night pizza and movies as like a fun reward for us. It turns out they were just tired AF. And I'm like, oh. Yup, <laughs> that, that all makes a whole lot of sense right. now. Mo- movie day, you know, yeah. You're like, oh, it's Friday night movie day. Like, you know, it's time to for us to not have to parent and not be on the clock anymore. So, um, you, you I, I got you off topic of format, but so our our plan for each episode after this one, this is if, if all goes well, this is going to be the only regular episode we record. That's going to be just the two of us. You know, we're going to have bonus episodes that'll be just us, but that'll be a different a different format. And the idea is that we're going to catch up on the week. We're going to sort of bring folks up to date on what's been going on in our lives. Um, and then we're going to have three regular segments. Um, one, obviously, will be the interview with the guest. Um, but two will be just us talking about um, a work win and a parenting fail. Um, and, and so uh, we thought maybe we would roll that out with just a, a quick hit version of that um, for for this week. So do you want to do you want to start and do you want to pick whether it's like the the, the the coin toss in a football game? Are you going to defer? Are you going to receive? What's your what's your pleasure? Um, I don't. I like haven't watched football in so long that I have like no idea what you just said. But well, you can either so you can choose to go first or have me go first, and you can choose whether it's going to be the work win or the parenting. Phase. Okay, I think you should go first, and you can do your uh, work win first. Oh, we're starting. We're starting on a high note. Okay. Um, so my work win is incredibly nerdy and and so far into the weeds that people are going to be wondering why they're still listening to this podcast in about 22 seconds. This is the part where on your little Apple podcast, there's the fast forward 30 second button. You can just hit a couple times. I, I would just go to like the 2X. Just, just you know, let me get through this really quickly. Um, although listen to me at 2X, I think is a real challenge. Oh my challenge. God, your brain would, like your head would explode yeah. if you listen to you at 2X. I don't know what to say. Um, so so in my in my sort of litigation side of my universe, I've been working for a couple of years on this question of um, can the military court-martial service members who have retired? Um, so like, you know, people who have served in active duty or in the reserves, you know, they hang up their uniforms, they retire, they keep drawing a pension of some form. And, and the, the military takes the position that they can keep 
trying these folks for, you know, in the military, even for offenses that have no relation to the military, off base, off duty, financial offenses, simple assault, etc. Anyway, to make a very, very long story short, we won a really big case in the D.C. District Court right before Thanksgiving, um, where we got a federal district judge to say that actually exercising jurisdiction over retirees for post-retirement offenses is unconstitutional. Um, and that's great, but it's just a district court, right? And so there's obviously a long way to go. We have another case pending in the Court of Appeals for the Armed Forces, which is the highest appeals court in the military, that is also a retiree case where the Court of Appeals for the Armed Forces had initially said, we're not going to take up the question of whether all retirees can be tried. We're just going to take up the question of whether it's unfair to treat some retirees differently from others, an equal protection question. Then after this decision from the district court, we're like, well, you should also now take up the big question too. And the government filed a response that was like, are you kidding? You already denied it. Go away. Uh, and we filed this reply that I thought was pretty good. Anyway, long story short, Court of Appeals for the Armed Forces agreed with us that it should reconsider the whole sort of subject matter. Um, and what this means is both that we're now going to get a Court of Appeals for the Armed Forces decision on it, and it raises the chances that we can get this issue to the Supreme Court. So my work win is the technical matter of getting the Court of Appeals for the Armed Forces to grant a petition for out-of-time reconsideration of its partial denial of review in a case it was already set to hear that we're bringing. Oh my God, we've literally lost every listener. Indeed. So we can go back and edit that out. <laughs> we joke that the military, the military appellate lawyers for the government have like a, a dartboard dart with Steve's face on it. You joke. I'm, I'm not sure. You may be joking. I'm not joking. Because <laughs> he's literally made it his like life's goal to undo all these old military laws that no one was really paying attention to. Um, Except the defendants who are convicted under them. Well, of course, those defendants care. Right. Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, the, the broader point here, which, you know, maybe in a future episode we can we could talk about, especially if we get the right guest. Maybe we'll get Miser on the podcast. Um, no. No? Right, Brian. You know Brian's on my permanent shit list. Just be, this, is a, this is a G-rated podcast. Oh, it is? Well, I guess not. Not, not anymore. Do anyway. they give, wait, do they give podcast ratings like that? No, but we're supposed to check if we're expletive late in or oh. not. I think one is okay. Okay. Good. Anyway, but so um, the I do think, and this is a longer conversation for a different time, but I do think that there is a significant um, neglect and dereliction of military justice in law schools today, in the legal profession generally, in the sort of more elite echelons of the appellate and Supreme Court bar. And so I would describe the I, I would say a little differently that my my real goal over the last five, six years has just been to shine a much brighter light on military justice and military justice issues. Mm -hmm. um, and that started with my work on Guantanamo cases, like way back when I was in law school, right, which were also military justice E. But like the more time I spent doing that, the more I realized our ordinary military justice system for ordinary service members has plenty of warts that are worth, you know, trying to heal as well. So to be continued. All right, that's my work win. Mm -hmm. You want to do yours or should I go on to my parenting fail? Uh, you can go to your parenting fail. Oh, okay. So my parenting fail is actually a common and recurring fail, which is um, Maddie, our four and a half year old slash, you know, almost five year old, um, will have meltdowns and I just have a really hard time figuring out how to get her out of them. And, you know, she had one a couple days ago where just nothing, even some of my my better strategies just were woefully ineffective. Like just, you know, just telling her it's okay didn't matter. Like telling her, yes, you have emotional, you know, yes, you have, you're feeling this and that's fine. Screaming about something. Uh, redirecting her towards something else. No, that's terrible too. 
Like, and it's just, it, it's not like a specific thing. It's just like, I have a really hard time um, getting either of our daughters, but I think Maddie especially, um, to get out of sort of, you know, to get out of emotional ruts. Um, and to, and especially when they're in the middle of like a, a sort of level three meltdown, right? To try to actually figure out how best to help them, you know, get it out of their system, calm down, move on, right? And, and, that's that that's not like a here's my advice. I should say I suck at that. Yeah. I think we're trying to figure that out. And tantrums change as they get older and and But also to, even between I mean, even across them. I mean, Sydney's tantrums at this age were different from Maddie's tantrums at this totally. age. I mean, there's such you know, this is one of the I think one of the horrifying things about parenting is that part of why there's no one right answer is because there's no one kid. Yeah. That was the craziest thing about going from one to two kids. It's like you can pat yourself on the back with one kid. When like, you, we're awesome. Yeah, like we're so awesome. And then you have a second kid who's totally different and you realize that the things that are awesome about your first kid are just because that's how your kid came out and has nothing to do with really with what you did. I mean, I, I have to say, like, if, if you had any doubts about nature versus nurture before you had multiple children, yeah. the, the second kid will 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 cure all of your doubts about, totally. about nature versus nurture. And you super parents with more than two kids, I don't I just bow down to you. I, I mean, don't know we, how both you do com- it. we both come from three kid families, as you yeah. said, and we were both like, no. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I feel like that would just break me. I feel like I'm right, at my right. absolute limit right now. I mean, Sydney, you know, we, Sydney's potty trained. We're almost out of pull ups. You know, we're almost through pull up time for her, except for sleeping. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, like she naps in a pull up, she sleeps in a pull up, and that's it. Yeah. The notion of going back to diapers at this point. Yeah, I can't. I can't. But all of you who are pregnant with number three, a pandemic baby, congratulations. <laughs> Three, three plus. <laughs> three plus. I mean, no, but this, I mean, again, it's like, this is, but this is why I think parent, this is the central reason why I think parenting is so hard. I mean, you mock my Star Trek, but there's a Vulcan saying, infinite diversity and infinite combinations. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's just like, you know, there is no one, you know, pathway through parenting because it's not just that every kid is different, every parent's different, every situation is totally. different. Totally. Yeah. I got a text message from a friend the other day telling me she was pregnant with her third and, you know, kind of freaking out a little bit about, am I going to be able to make this? And we were talking about our different experiences. And and I didn't find the transition from zero to one to be that hard. I feel like Steve and I, we did a really good job of sort of splitting it. I, I found motherhood in the beginning to be very hard, but it wasn't, you know, we, we each had our own sort of own time. It really hit the fan when we had a second. And that was when things for me personally, got much more difficult. I, I I tell people that the first six months of having two, I felt like I was run over by a bus for the first six months. And that was just in non-COVID normal times. Um, and she was saying that actually she found the transition from zero to one to be very, very difficult, but the transition from one to two to be very easy. Um, and so I think it really is just your personality type, you, what your kids are like, are your kids sleeping, which kid is sleeping, all of those things are such factors. And so when people are like, are you guys going to have a third? I'm like, it's not going to, it wouldn't work for us, but I totally think it's amazing. And I think families of three are great, but not for me personally. Um, so, says, says a third child. Says the third child. I am the third child. Yeah. Um, but sorry, mom and dad. There's no more. No more well, grandkids. If your parents listen to this podcast, we've got problems. <laughs> All right. So you got to do your work win and your parenting fail. Yeah. So the work win, you know, I'm a, I'm a, um, act, a practicing attorney and most of my stuff is privileged. But what we were talking about was something that is not necessarily related to a client that can be a work win. And so one of the work wins that I was really happy about, um, at my firm was that even in COVID, all of our associates made their top bonuses this year and are really, really happy. And we, um, we are gearing up to give out 
all of our holiday bonuses and it feels good to be, you know, at the partnership level and be able to award the people who are supporting us um, with really good work. So that was my work win for the week. Um, And then my parenting fail for the week was Maddie, our older daughter was, um, you know, it's really, we're Jewish and being Jewish around Hanukkah. Hanukkah is hard. It it's just is. I mean, and, and, and it's harder here than it was hard. in the Northeast. It's hard. It's really hard. Um, you know, I went to Target today to get Hanukkah candles, and not only did they not have candles, but and if you look at my Twitter, um, you'll see this. They had like, uh, no joke, like four really sad Hanukkah gift bags, and that was the entire Hanukkah section of the Target. Um, and so. It just was, and I think that there are targets in other neighborhoods that maybe have some more Hanukkah things, but not this particular target that I was at. And it really hits home, like all those little things. And this target had so much Christmas stuff. It was insane. It literally was like a third of the store was just Christmas. Um, And so that's what our kids see. Like, it's hard for me as a grown adult who knows that this is how the world works, but like that's how it is viewed through the eyes of a four-year-old who doesn't understand, you know, why can't we have it? Why doesn't Santa, why come, doesn't Santa come to our house? So that's how this started. So it was one morning um, and Maddie said, how come Santa doesn't come to our house? And I said, well, because we're Jewish, we don't celebrate Christmas. Um, you know, and she said, well, why are we Jewish? And I said, well, because uh, Nana and Saba, which is what the girls call my parents, and Yaya and Pop, which is what the girls call Steve's parents, they were Jewish. And she said, okay, but why were they Jewish? And I was like, uh, well, and I just, I just froze. Like I had no good answer. I still haven't come up with a good answer. And I was like, well, they just were. And plus, being Jewish is fun. And then we just started talking about why it was, you know, what that we're going to have Hanukkah and whatever else. Um, but, you know, our daughter's getting to – the older one's getting to the age where she's asking, like, hard questions now. Um, and we, I, I think Steve and I both take the approach of, like, not trying to lie to her, right? Like, we – to the extent possible. Um, sugarcoat sometimes. Sugarcoat. Like, when she's like, well, how does a baby come out? I'll explain to her, like – you were born when they cut open my stomach and took you out, right? Because I had a C-section. And so then, you know, which is a lot, I think, for a four, almost five-year-old to hear. And she definitely picks up a knife and is like, is this how sharp the knife was that cut you open? And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, maybe that was just too much information. But I also wasn't about to be like, a stork pulled you from heaven and dropped you on our front porch. Like, that's just not me. And I don't want my kid thinking that that's how babies come into the world. And so I explained to her the two different ways that babies come out. Um, And so, you know, that's the kind of stuff that we're pretty honest about. You know, she asks about like, are you and daddy going to die? And I say, yeah, we are. One day we're going to die. Hopefully, you know, one of the mysteries of life is that we don't know when we're going to die. Nobody does. But hopefully it's when we're very, very old. And, you know, when you're a grown up and if you want to have a family of your own, you have a family of your own and you'll be, you'll be okay without us. Um, But yeah, I don't, 
tell her, no, we're not going to die. Plus, she's watched every Disney movie in the world where the parents are always dead. So, I mean, she knows it's coming. Yeah, the Disney movies, it, it, I have a newfound loathing for Disney movies. <laughs> someone someone told me, I saw it in a Facebook moms group the other day that was like, I only let my child watch Moana because that's like the only one where both parents are alive. And I was like, holy sh- Oh, wait, I'm not allowed to say it twice. Holy, <laughs> Holy Toledo. Beep. Um, is that really true? And like it kind of is. <laughs> of the princess ones? And plus it's a pretty big moment in Moana when Grandma Tala dies. Yeah. But her spirit, I love that in Moana yeah, where like yeah, the spirit is there. And I, I we totally support that. And she'll ask me like what happened. Maddie will ask me what happens when people die. And I say, well, you know, I think that their spirit is still with us somewhere. And then she'll be like, well, what about God? When did he die and i'm like oh my god i would i don't know um, literally literally uh so she you know she's asking these tough questions and so i don't know if it's a parenting failure just like a parenting exploration moment of mine that i think okay how can i answer that particular question in the future that's better um last year when she was 3 i told her that we don't celebrate christmas because we're jewish and being jewish is to suffer but <laughs> apparently she forgot that lesson, so. I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, she also, I mean, the other thing is, is, you know, the girls go to a Jewish daycare and and that's like, that's turning Maddie into like a super Jew. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. She's turned into such a super Jew. Apparently she proposed to her class <laughs> last week. They had done like a hospital unit and then they were talking about what unit they should do next. And, and, and what they should build in their yeah, play Yeah, what area. they should build in the play area. And she said a temple. Um, Not just a temple. Yeah, like the temple from the story of Monica. Right, the second temple. Um, And like then she wanted her teacher to play the Maccabees in school. Like she's she's getting super into it, which is awesome for us because I think that we definitely phone it in on the Jewish education stuff. We're like, here's a bagel. (laughs) Yeah, here's a PJ Library book, and here's a bagel. Are you Jewish yet? Um, I think part. Honestly, some of the things that Austin has are not bagels. Honestly, because Steve and I both grew up in such Jewish um, environments. You know, we both were from the Northeast. We both went to Jewish overnight camp, um, had lots of Jewish friends. And so it was kind of easy to phone in, like, being committed to that because it was just automatically a part right, of our – got to work hard for it here. But here you got to kind of put in that extra effort. Um, I remember the the first year we were here. We moved to Austin in 2016 after having lived in in DC for nine years. You grew up in Boston. I grew up in New York. And I remember the first spring we were here in 2017. Um, it was a random Sunday in early April. Oh yeah, and we couldn't figure out why everything was closed. Everything was closed. Central Market, right. like H-E-B, even H E B. Everything yeah, we thinkery. went everywhere. And then we're like, what is going on? Like, oh, it's Easter. It's Easter. Which, which you know, if you if you're in New York or DC or Boston, like, like it's a, a thing. It's a thing. But it's not but it's not like a shutting down the city thing. Yeah. Yes. Easter Sunday here is everything is closed. Yep. Um stock up on perishables. Yeah, for the for the twenty four hours that the supermarket is closed. Basically. I think maybe Whole Foods, those heathens, they might be open. I think only later in the day. Anyway, <laughs> but the, the the this I think this just goes back to what's gonna be a common theme of our podcast, which is that, you know, it's not just infinite diversity and infinite combinations, it's also that like even like little things like where you live can have such an influence yeah. on like fundamental parenting choices because of the extent to which your children are or are not surrounded by things that are going to indoctrinate them in ways you want them to be indoctrinated or ways that you don't want them to be indoctrinated. Um, and it's just like, 
you know, every piece of that, like one of the things that you learn when you're, when you're teaching is like how things that you would never have thought of, about before are actually really consequential pedagogical decisions. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the same is true with parenting, like things that just seem, seemed automatic in your lives as like, you know, young 20 something professionals become pretty significant, either intentional or unintentional choices, right? When mapped onto parenting. But, um, so what's going to happen from here? Well, if you've made it this far, thanks. We'd love some feedback. Um, the podcast is on Twitter at in loco parents. Um, it's on Instagram at in loco parents pod. Um, we're going to really welcome uh, viewer, well, not viewer, but listener emails and suggestions. We're actually, um, by episode two, we're going to have an email and Google Voice box set up so we can tell you how to send us questions. Um, we're going to have a Patreon. And I was going to say that while Steve loves to work for free, um, I generally don't. So the, <laughs> while this podcast is free, our Patreon will be a sponsored podcast that will come out once a month. And on that podcast is where we will take reader questions, read our voicemails. It will be... Tell you embarrassing stories about ourselves. Yeah. Like so, how I lost on Where in the World is Carmen San Diego when I was 11. Totally. That's a good one. We just play the video. The audio alone would be, I think, I think you know, useful. Although the video is on YouTube. All right. So if you guys want the best Carmen San Diego story, you're going to have to you're going to have to subscribe to our Patreon I'm page. Sure of a story. Anyway, but yes. So our plan is to have a regular episode I, um, every week and or maybe three times a month. And then a bonus episode once a month that's going to be your questions, you know, your topic suggestions, our embarrassing stories. Um, and each of the regular episodes are going to feature special guests. And our special guest for our very first interview episode, episode two, um, is going to be the incomparable Dahlia Lithwick, um, our dear friend who has so many hats, but I just think of her as like, you know, one of the savviest legal observers out there. Um, but we'll talk more about that next week. So um, that's basically it from here. Um, you can follow Karen on Twitter at KSVESQ. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve underscore Vladek. And I get a lot of grief for that underscore. I don't understand why. Um, and again, you can follow the podcast at In Loco Parents um, or In Loco Parents Pod on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Happy parenting. And we'll talk to you soon.